0: What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Chad Ceno Roper. I am the proprietor and director of Amplifier here at Radio Milwaukee, and today is a very special day. Here at Amplifier, we like to continue to bring things to the community for free, so that uh, people can continue to learn and better themselves. Whether it's the financial literacy, if it's music industry related, and also mental wellness, mental health related. And t- this month is Mental Health Awareness Month, so. I would be remiss not to do this podcast without doing a mental health awareness piece. And I have someone from this great city of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, who is a legendary, legendary clinician. She's been in this thing for a long time. I ain't going to say how long because my mommy say you never talk about a woman's age. So I'm just going to say a long time which means she's been doing some great work for all communities, but especially the black, black and brown community for some years. And I'm honored to have her. I wanna fr- say thank you so much for lending us your time because this woman up here is not only the clinician, but she is a mother first. And her baby boy, I use the word baby loosely because the boy taller than me graduated high school today Shout out to Roe J for graduating high school. That's a big accomplishment, young man. We want to shout you out right here on the podcast live, man, because you could have been anywhere. But on your graduation day, I know y'all partying tonight. You allow us to take a couple minutes with your mom to share this good news with the people. So thank you, young man. I appreciate you, man. Happy graduation and congratulations on that, brother. Great work, man. We proud of you, for real. So none other than my sister, Carla Nilly. How you doing, Queen?
1: I'm good. How are you? Man,
0: I'm doing well. Thank you so much for joining us coming to drop these gems right here for the people. Let's talk about you first before we get into the the clinician side of you. Let's talk about who Carla is, who little Carla. Let's go to Carla, eight, nine, and 10-year-old Carla. Who was Carla at eight, nine, and 10? Talk to us about
1: that, Carla. Well, um, I grew up here in the inner city of Milwaukee on 28th and Lisbon. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up in a house full of uh, a lot of people. My grandmother had 13 kids, my mom had three, and we was all in there, people on the top floor, middle floor, bottom floor, and basement. So it was just a lot of love. Um, Growing up, going to church lot, you know, just family, you know. Um, pretty good kid, wise kid, at least I think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we all do, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was me, you know, my young life. <laughs> That's
0: what I like to hear. So now, uh, in, in your young age, as you get, as you, as you go into a, a teen or a young adult, what high school? Where were you at? What part of the city? What, what were you doing in the city of Milwaukee? And I'm asking these for a reason, people. So, walk with me.
1: All right, so I graduated from Mesmer. Mesmer. Um, That was my mom's choice just because when I was going to public school, um, sixth through eighth grade, I didn't do my best. And Uh so she was worried about the outcome because I went to John Muir. So Mm -hmm. I was out here a little bit, but (laughs) (laughs) she said we're going to engage in some course correct and get you in a school where, you know, it's more academic and things like that. And so once I got there, I soared.
0: Locked in, locked mm-hmm. in, and took off. Yeah, that, a lot of times it, t- it takes a, a change of environment to to start to elevate. So now, in, in your in your high school, were you a part of like any clubs, sports, uh, uh, cheerlead, any of that type of thing?
1: Any- um. Well, I was a cheerleader. It's yeah. like, but but the, the majority of my high school. Um, experience, I worked. It's mm-hmm. like I share with my kids. They know I worked three jobs by the time I was 15. So wow. I just was out here trying to do something different than um, my peers were doing. And then my situation was a little bit different mm-hmm. because my mom went through some financial hardships and I had to get out here and get it. So, you know, I tried to have fun with my peers when I could, but the majority was just like, you got to go get this back. So I like that. So now
0: <laughs> That, that's, that's an important piece because now we're starting to dig into why you start to go the direction you went because life situations occurred out of your control. Mm-hmm. But what your goal was was to take control of some of the situations that were happening, even though they were probably not your fault. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So in working those three jobs, how was it working those jobs and trying to educate yourself at the same time?
1: Um, It was difficult because, of course, you got to pivot and you got to really prioritize, you know, because time is um, of the essence when you got full curriculum and then you also Mm -hmm. have a job to get to. So, you know, I really learned how to build time management skills and also um, apply myself just in different areas where I could still have a piece of youth, you know, for myself, right? right? So, you know, it's one of those things where I just try to, Uh, make sure I stayed on my schedule and just be responsible. And my parents held me to a high standard. My dad was a master sergeant in the military, so Mm -hmm. you can imagine he didn't play no games. So if my grades were dropping, you know, then I had to make some decisions there too. So I wanted to show I could do it all, so I did. (laughs)
0: That makes sense. Now now in doing this, we gotta understand we have to take care of ourselves. You know what I'm saying? As young adults, as adults, we have to take care of ourselves. Tikoy, we have to take care of ourselves. And I'm saying this because one of our sponsors for today, who has myself and Dr. Neely here, is Take Care of Ourselves. You see the sign behind this, Takoy. It is a clothing line that promotes taking care of yourself, taking care of your mental wellness, taking care of your health, you as an individual. You can go to Tikoy.com. That's T C O Y. 247.com To pick up I got on the shirt right now They sponsor me They sponsor my look today um, But you can go there And pick up your Your takoi knees Hoodies T-shirts Jogging suits Everything Take care of yourself we, It's promoting it Without promoting it You get what I'm saying So now back to the story We um, you, you you make it through high school Now as you're going through high school Are you thinking about going to college Or are you like I'm just going to continue to work Because this money is coming in
1: no, um, I always was college-bound. So um, funny things. <laughs> Me and my husband and my brother, we all went to a program called MSOE Upper Bound. Mm-hmm. And so that was for first-generation college students or you know, children that are preparing to be first-generation. And so we had that grounding. We had people um, in the background saying, hey, you can be bigger than your environment. Yes. We got you. And so we literally went to school Pretty much all year round, because mm-hmm. in the Upper Bound you stay in the dorms during the week, and then you um, go home on the weekends. But if you went to all your classes, you got a stipend, mm-hmm. and then you know it's like it was bringing you into a college experience, preparing you. So right. um, I think that we always knew that we were going to be bound for more. So it was yes. just like we got to we got to climb.
0: That makes sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, now in in this Upper Bound program, because I'm very familiar with Upper Bound as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Was there a specific discipline that you went to towards in upper bound? Because when I did upper bound, I did math and science because I knew I wanted to be into engineering Mm -hmm. when I got to college. So was there a specific discipline that you may have uh, uh, went to because of what you were planning to do in the future?
1: Um, Not necessarily, because in that upper bound program, it's like there were different facets, but Mm -hmm. a lot of it was geared towards engineering. Um, And a lot of it was, you know, for me, it was more so gearing towards us in the inner city to show us that we could achieve Mm -hmm. and go to college. And so that was the broader base of it to me. That makes sense. Um, As far as a person and molding me, into uh, a therapist or how that came along is that when i was a kid i always used to have a chalkboard in the kitchen my grandma had me you know doing problems Mm -hmm. and she thought i was gonna be a teacher i thought i was too Mm -hmm. however as i look at it and i developed um i had old heads just family members aunts and uncles that used to come to me and ask me my advice as a kid Mm -hmm. and so that grew in me And it's like then it just became what was natural and it's like okay i'm kind of a teacher but you know taking a little bit of a different lane but i always knew that i was going to do something that was working with other people just because of my ability to relate to people from a young age to now
0: i like that see the reason why i'm asking these things ladies and gentlemen is because i want you to get to know the person first before you know the professional because once you know the person you can then buy into the professional of the, the profession of the person so we, I, I like how you're breaking these things down and letting everybody understand the, the the reason and the whys of why you became. And I'm sure your family, as you spoke about the financial piece, there were other traumas and, and situations your, your family faced that also uh, may have, help guide you or even if it wasn't particularly you it may have been like you said your aunts and uncles coming for advice but there may be some things they may have faced that you heard them discussing because you know I know at least coming up uh, in my family get out the room when grown folks talking but Mm -hmm. you really just go around the corner you still can hear everything they saying (laughs) (laughs) but but what you're doing is you out the room but you can hear what's going on so you're intaking what they're discussing you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying so I'm sure some of those situations or there may have been some situations in your life or your family's life that may have also helped continue to push the push you in the direction of wanting to uh, be a clinician and to helping people? Sure.
1: I mean, I grew up on 28th and Lisbon, so you can only assume. Right. You know, a lot of things happen. I also grew up in that era. Children should be seen and not heard. And unfortunately, when children are seen and not heard, things happen to them. Yes. Um, however, I've used my traumas or things that have happened to me as kind of like that humility, that fuel to help somebody else, right? It's like, because when we go through certain things, we do become somewhat fragmented, but it's a matter of taking those fragmented pieces and making them into a whole, and understanding that they didn't break you. Mm -hmm. You know, you being molded into perfection. So um, I've taken all those things and just let them be little stars and nuggets to me shining. It's like, I don't, uh, I never let them hold me back.
0: That makes sense. So now let's get into the professional,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Miss Carla professional what made you start your practice
1: well um i've always worked in disadvantaged communities um my i got my start while i was working on my licensure or my internship working at wcs working with um, clients with severe persistent mental illness and the heart that i had then almost 14 years ago till now is that if something was to happen to me Um, where my mental capacity was not the same, I would pray that somebody would love me and take care of me and, like, help me out and not judge me because I'm able to see people as human. And so with that being said, I've always wanted to just reach out and help people build the life that they want. You know, it may not all be glitter and gold, but what we can do is take the pieces that you want and make it into something beautiful.
0: That makes sense. Mm -hmm. I I, I like how you say pivot. So what... When you, you, when you speak of pivoting, basically taking problems that occur or situations that occur and pivot and put them in a direction or positivity or, or, or as a building block, mm-hmm. um, how, do, how do you work with your particular clients in that aspect?
1: Okay. So um, when I first meet my people, what I say to them and uh, notice with the wording, you know, people say clients or um, different ways to describe people it's like once i start working with people they're my people right yes yes um, but what i tell them is that how i want you to think of this relationship is that you the bus driver and i'm the google maps yes. i'm just going with you so what ends up happening is that once we start working through what their issues are i'm standing side by side with them in the trauma mm. you know it's like so i can kind of like guide but also at the same time say to them Is that working for you? You know, and what would you like this to be? It's like, because I think that sometimes as we get older and we experience things, we lose the capacity to dream or to visualize outside of our current circumstance. Right. And sometimes we got to step outside of that Mm -hmm. and we got to think about what we want it to be. So then we're able to start making those pivotal steps to get it. Absolutely. You know, so.
0: That makes sense. I think when you just said it, I thought of an analogy of a fish, uh, a certain fish grow depending on the type of, or the size of water that they're in. So if you put a fish in a fish, a fish tank that uh, is 12 feet, the fish may only get four feet because it's only in a 12 foot tank. But if you put that same fish in a 50 feet tank, That fish then becomes 12 feet because it gets as big as its environment allows it to get. And that's how we are as people. A lot of times we allow uh, our environments to dictate how big or small we get. And that's one thing we can't do. And that goes to our mental wellness and our mental psyche. Sometimes we can take those uh, disadvantages and and, uh, traumas and use them for... uh, as fuel to, to take us to another level. So I, I like when you really break that down into uh, the way you have your people look at you as basically a roadmap to their—I'll say—success, as for lack of a better term, but their 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 health, their mental health, or mental wellness. Now, in 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 the field, what are some of the signs or symptoms that you can that you, as a professional, can notice things because there's somebody out there watching us right now we got about four or five hundred people watching us so there's somebody out there right now who's going through depression and anxiety and don't even know it because they don't know how to identify it right so i want us to be able to give them things to under to give them symptoms or some things that they may be doing that helps them to identify these uh these uh diagnosis, but then can go get help and to see if there's actually something that they may, you know, that they may have. So how, what are some of the symptoms for, let's, let's do uh, depression first, then let's do anxiety because we hear those words a lot. Mm-hmm.
1: So with depression, you're going to be experiencing a lot of sadness, tearfulness. You might go through a period of isolation. And we really want to be careful with just the timing of it, Right. Um, because if we're doing more than 10 days or something a month, we got to be really careful because now we're in an episode of depression, we're sitting in it. And so it's not uncommon or not normal for people to be sad because you're going to have situations that come up in your life that are going to cause you to have sadness, but it's about the turnaround, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, I look at that, um, thoughts and things, people, sometimes people experience suicidal ideation as part of depression. It all depends on really the severity and mm-hmm. how long it's the duration of it because no one wants to be sad for a prolonged period of time and so sometimes when we're in it for a long time and we don't see an end or we don't have a resource for help, then it does become more serious.
0: And as a friend, let's say if you're a friend or a family member of someone, mm-hmm. what are things that the friend and or family member can look for to say, oh, that's not you know, because you know, you know, you, you know your son, mm-hmm. and there may be certain things about him. You like, hold on, some rope, some ain't right with rope. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, what are some things that the outside mm-hmm. folk can look for to kind of either help them or help get them help?
1: Mm-hmm. So I think that the biggest thing with family members or friends, if you notice that someone is withdrawn, if you notice that they're they're crying a lot or that the fact that they just are not interested in things that they normally would do or interacting, you know, it's a good time to just be like, hey, you know, how you doing? You know, is there something I can help you with? It's like, or just listen, because sometimes when we're going through things, we're not necessarily looking for people to resolve them. Sometimes we just need someone to listen and be that sounding board for us. Mm. And so if the person, you know, does say, you know, this has been going on or I've been experiencing um, a lot of sadness, just out of nowhere, just this happened and I'm sad about it, then either sitting and talking them through it or um, helping them find the resources. Because if you look online, Milwaukee County has a lot of resources. The city does. Um, and then there's a lot of local agencies, too, that are willing to help.
0: I agree with that 100%. Now, um, let's talk about anxiety. Let's go there next. Are, they, they all, a lot of time they intertwine the anxiety and depression. I hear that a lot. But they are two different things. They are. So let's talk anxiety
1: so, with anxiety, you know, you can feel a multitude of symptoms, but one of the, the most common ones are, you know, heart racing, you have an ability where you have a flooding of thoughts, um, you might have some heart palpitations, you might be really um, nervous and off-keel. Um, there's, I mean, there's a lot of different symptoms that go with it, I guess when you have it comorbid with depression, mm-hmm. it's... Some people experience the depression as a result of the anxiety because, once again, you can't enjoy things that are normal and natural to you, Right. you know, without going through those feelings of palpitations or feeling just uncomfortable. Um, Sometimes people report that they feel like they're going to jump out of their skin. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but it is a truly uncomfortable feeling to not be able to calm yourself down.
0: That makes sense. See, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm a former athlete. I say former because I'm... 100 pounds heavier than I used to be. But I remember, and, not now, and, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I, I want to relate the difference. I got anxious before every game that I, I played baseball. So I got anxious, but I was anxious um, about the competition or the outcome. But it wasn't a, um, an unhealthy type of feeling. It was just I want I like to call it excitement. I was just excited to play, ready, to, eager to do something. That's a different, and I'm saying this because there are there are artists out here, there that are, that are watching this. There are athletes that are out here that are watching this, and and they get these feelings. Those are normal type of feelings when you're in going into competition or get ready to perform for an audience. Like these are normal things. But what we're speaking of is something completely different. You're sitting in your house. You're having a conversation with an individual. Something real that's, that's not a, comp- a competitive type of thing or, or a high-strung type of thing, but you get these high strong feelings is what we're am i getting that correctly
1: yeah what i can share with you um a personal example is that when i was pregnant with my son i was about nine months pregnant with my son and i was getting on the highway and it was a snowstorm yes and i ended up having a car accident on the highway where i went into the median and almost got hit by a truck and so after that um i had a fear Mm -hmm. getting on the highway if there's any type of precipitation i wasn't going to do it right and so immediately as soon as it would start raining or i'd be next to a median i would start experiencing this panic Mm -hmm. you know just out of nowhere my heart is beating fast i'm breathing heavy i'm trying to calm myself down you know but it was a recurrent thing until i was able to tell myself hey this is not that you know every time you get in this car and it's raining or it's snowing you're not gonna have a car accident. It's like, but that took time. And also my own treatment, right? Because Mm -hmm. I had to get that visual out of my head because whenever you come that close Mm -hmm. to life being lost, it's like, whew, I don't wanna come against that again. And so um, once again, you know, it's one of those things where it could be situational or it could be something um, genetically Mm -hmm. where a person is prone to anxiety.
0: Exactly. That makes sense. And not, not. You just touched on a key phrase. Genetically, she said genetically, meaning you have no control over it because you, it's passed down to you from somebody in your lineage, in your family, your mother, grandmother, grandfather, something of that nature. So I want you to understand when we let's let's talk into genetics because a lot of times we have things as Black people, but because we may not be, uh, like for example my father's side of the family. I was raised by my mom, not my father's side. So there are some things on, in my genetics on my father's side that I won't know because I don't have a deep connection with that side of the family. So let's talk about the genetic piece because that's an important piece because in our community there are people who don't know sides of their family like myself. Mm-hmm. Or they know them but they don't know the, the details of that family, you understand? Know mm-hmm. So genetically, what are some genetic things that could be g- genetically passed down to us? From mental health-wise, I should
1: say? Well, I mean, um, per research, pretty much any genetic or any uh, mental health disorder, just like any physical ailment, yes. can be passed down through the generation line. Gotcha. Um, a lot of my clients that I see that have persistent mental illness, when I'm doing assessment, I'll ask them, you know, who in your family identifies or has um, a mental health disorder? And so the majority of them have a report of pretty much um, either siblings aunts or their parents yeah. and some people they never their parents never got diagnosed right because mm-hmm. they're in that culture yep. where mental health is just taboo and they weren't doing it mm-hmm. but when they sit when my clients sit and look at their family and just things that happened during their upbringing they like yeah mom and dad has something it was unchecked but they had something right
0: yeah and and that, that makes total sense because gr- like we we had a conversation off camera mm-hmm. about growing up growing up in our era in, in the era our parents era um having genera uh, uh, uh mental health issues was literally taboo because what they would tell us to do is pray about it, go to church, mm-hmm. those type of things Now mind you, those are helpful things, but as you stated, your words was. God created clinicians, God created medication, God created these things for a purpose. So we have to make sure that we don't just use quote unquote faith by itself, but we also use the, the the tools that are given to us mm-hmm. um, like clinicians or, you know, the antidepressants and things of those nature that can help us. So um, I think that's ex- extremely important that we understand that there were some things genetically that we may be, that may have been passed down to us that were not diagnosed because first of all, a lot of our family didn't have insurance. It was a lot of issues or we thought, we had so many different thoughts about um, mental health that it was was shunned in our community. You know what I'm saying?
1: It's that, and it's also the fact that, you know, you don't tell people your business. Facts. You know,
0: what Facts. happens
1: in our house, home stays state in house. our home. Yep. And so yep. in order to really get treatment and be vulnerable, you have to share what has happened to you. Yes. And so when you do that, it's almost like family takes that, or the thought is it's a betrayal. Yes. And it's not necessarily betrayal. It's the fact that I don't want to carry this no more. Right. You know, and so... Um, we really have to, and I think that we've done a good job over the current time of breaking down those stigmas and breaking down those fears about talking about what's happened to us because now we're like, we don't want to be like this no more. We don't want to carry this. We don't want to pass it down continuously Mm -hmm. to our babies. We want to heal. We want to create a new line of thinkers, you know, so um, definitely working through those lines and helping.
0: And, 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 And there's, now that we're right here at Genetics... There's a saying that you have that talks about breaking generational curses. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, you put it in our um, our promo. Our promo. Mm-hmm. So let's go there because you, you, you talked about it and people were reaching out about that particular piece. Mm-hmm. How can getting help with mental wellness help break generational curses? But that's the question. But the first one is, what are... For those who don't may not know, what are considered generational curses?
1: So generational curses for me is when we have a habitual behavior or a thing that we pass down amongst generation and generations. And so if my mama cussed me out, then I decide that I'm gonna cuss my kids out, then my kids are gonna cuss their kids out. And what we're doing is that we're getting a whole bunch of generations of yellers and people who are not able to articulate their thoughts and have conversations when they feel uncomfortable. Right. And so my thought on it, especially as a parent, is that if I didn't like something that was done to me when I was a kid and something that I felt didn't help me, I'm not going to pass it down to my kids. I'm going to find a different way to do it. You know, I know a lot of people get upset with me, but I'm going to say it like, you know, and I understand we all have different parenting styles. We all have, our children have different needs. Mm-hmm. But with my children, one of the things I didn't want to pass down is whooping them. Mm-hmm. Because I don't, as when I look at my childhood, I don't feel like I ever learned anything from that. Effects. And so... I wish that someone would have more conversations with me, mm-hmm. you know, or engage me in different things mm-hmm. to, you know, course correct. Yeah. And so it's not to say that the parent that does choose choose to use corporal punishment is wrong. If that works for you, it works for you. Mm-hmm. But for me, what I found out is that I wanted to raise young, intelligent thinkers. I don't yes. want my babies to be afraid of me. Mm-hmm. I want them to be able to talk to me because at the end of the day, they are conscious thinkers. They are intelligent. They are able to understand where I'm coming from. And so that's when I say breaking generational curses. I choose to do something different. And my hope is that this break will pass down to their babies when they have some.
0: Absolutely. And that makes total sense. I agree hundred um, percent. I My kid is about to be two and I, I grew up in a household of yelling and all that type of stuff. And my wife specifically makes sure that she checks me on if I go into that area mm-hmm. because I have a son, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, we talk as a, I didn't have my father to raise me. So I don't know what it's like to have a father to raise me. Yes. So I'm doing this for the first time off of what I saw, not what actually occurred. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember things that did not make me feel good as a son from a father, so i definitely make sure I sh- shy away from like saying I'm going to do something and don't do it. Well, that to me was a, a generational thing that was yeah. tri- passed down. But the good thing about it, even in the negative, is what it did was it made me a man of my word in everything. Not just with my child. It made me a man of my word. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm in the house. I'm on the way. Unless something drastic occurred, then I'm in, in the place. But that came from my father not doing what he said he's going to do for me you know what i'm saying so it it's, it was a positive in within a negative mm-hmm. but, and it it made me become that which then turns is good for when you do business with people if you say you're going to do this for this amount of money you're going to do it or if you say you're going to do that you do exactly what was 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 discussed you know what i mean with or with, with or without a contract sure. and that's the key like a lot of times you and I always practice this, I was just talking to, to one of my producers today, like, bruh, if you ain't got it in writing, it don't count, you gotta get that joint in writing, otherwise people gonna forget what you talked about. Mm-hmm. But if you do something, if, 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 you and I, if you and I made an agreement, whatever we said we was gonna do, it is what it is, it and we're is. gonna rock with it, you know, rock with it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's extremely important in the key of breaking generational curses. How does mental your, your mental health practice help that with, those who you uh, help, your patients, I should say.
1: So when I'm working with people, it's like first I'm just getting to know them on a level of just them and what they feel comfortable with. But as we start to peel back layers and we start talking about what has happened to them and then how that has influenced either their parenthood or their ability to be a good sibling, a good wife or what have you, right? Um, We start working with how that baggage And those curses from the past has impacted those relationships. And then also, what do they want this to be like? It's like in their mind, what is a healthy relationship? And some people, like I said before, they cannot think on those terms because they've never imagined it or thought about it. But these are those moments where they have to sit and think and sit with it, right? Mm -hmm. And say, what do I want my life and different relationships and connections that I have to feel like? And so once a person can sit down and first identify what has happened to them wasn't right. right, they didn't ask for it, they didn't deserve it, once they get to that part, then they can start thinking about what they actually do deserve and mm. then also what they want to project mm. into whatever relationships and connections they're trying to build. And so that's where I try to get them to. And
0: projection is extremely important. I heard you use that word a couple times now. Mm-hmm. When you when you speak about them being able to project it, meaning pass it on to someone else, is that am mm-hmm. I understanding that correctly? Correct. Right. Um, how do we uh, manage our projection? If, if I think that's the the right way to say it, how do we manage that?
1: Um. So I guess that's really intrinsic yes. to me. Okay. Okay. Um. Because we have to think about. For myself, when I think about what I'm giving out or what I'm projecting, yes. I'm projecting what I want to receive back. Right. And so I don't want to feel judged. Mm-hmm. I don't want to feel alienated. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if I'm a, <laughs> my kid's laughing because I say you know, constantly, I'm a certified weirdo. It's like, I'm me, yeah. right? You know, it's like, so I want to be accepted as me. Right. I don't want to have to dress it up, pretty it up, or be anything other. And so what I do is I make it okay. Mm -hmm. for people to just be them, Mm -hmm. whatever that is. And so, you know, that's why I've always worked with the population of clients that I have, clients in homeless shelters, clients, you know, because I want them to feel... Like they are, which is somebody. Right. They may be nobody to the masses, but they somebody to me. Right. And I know that they're somebody. They are somebody, somebody, right? right? right. Absolutely. And so um, at the end of the day, I just try to project what I want to receive. It's like I sow the seeds that I want to come back to me.
0: Absolutely. And the mm-hmm. reason why I wanted you to just break that down, because I want other people to understand the concept of putting out there what you want to come back to you. I, I knew that's the, the, kind of the direction you were heading, but I wanted you to say it because me saying it is one thing, but when it comes from, from someone who's licensed in this area, it, it hits different because they understand the person that you are because of the walk we've been taking. Mm-hmm. Now they understand the professional that you are. Mm-hmm. So now that opens up a, a, a whole other side. Um, in your practice, mm-hmm. you see a lot of clients, a whole lot. Like, you probably. Do more than the average clinician. I'm assuming you see a lot of clients. I
1: do.
0: Is is there room for to add more, or because you have such a heavy caseload, is that what it's called? Caseload is, is it hard to add? Is, is is it hard to add people?
1: Well, I mean, clients shift mm-hmm. and you know pivot is like because of the programming. Some clients decide um, they graduate out. Yes. You know, and, and that's so, what you look
0: forward to, obviously.
1: Yes, yes. Because the whole thing is, you know, for me. Some people laugh at it but it's like discharge planning should happen on day one yes because my goal is to make you independent of me yes I'm gonna be sad to see you go but at the end of the day if you tell me you know what Carla I don't need to see you no more because I'm feeling good you giving me the tools I need to get it right then I'm like hey I love you but I'll see you later yeah well
0: done I see <laughs> you can buy me you can buy me a steak when I see you out yeah, yeah there you go that makes sense like That's the way to, it goes. to me that should be the goal of every teacher, mm-hmm. not just clinician, but if I'm a producer and I sign producers, those producers should not be signed to me their whole career. Mm-hmm. I should be building leaders with, for them to sign other people and do the same thing that I've done for them for other individuals. So mm-hmm. it makes sense as a good leader, as a good steward, as we call it, you should want people to be able to leave you. Uh, somebody graduating from you or, or, or elevating past what you've taught them mm-hmm. should not be, it's only like that in our community, by the way, mm-hmm. it should not be a beef yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like somebody didn't work with the person. Now nah, it was a beef. No, they should. You should be happy to, for the, to see them go to the next level. That means you yeah. did your job as the mentor or whatever, the clinician or whatever for that individual. So I think that's an amazing way to start the okay. the planning of uh, the 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 outcome. I mean the 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 uh, medical help, mental health help, because. If you start something with an end in mind, a lot of times you're gonna get success, mm-hmm. and that's even in business. When you start a company, if your goal is to sell the company, if you start in the beginning thinking that I'm gonna sell this company for 100, 200 million dollars, then when you get to a, around that part, now you have be, now you starting to see what success is as a business, a business person as well. So that makes total sense to me. I appreciate that.
1: And sometimes, you know, the reality in it is that everybody ain't for everybody. Facts. You know, and so. I tell clients right away, you know, you have the right to choose. It's like, Mm -hmm. because we might get into a session and you decide I'm not for you. And I'm okay with that because it's not personal. It's like, if my goal is altruistic as it is, it's like, then I just want you to get help, whether it's me Me or somebody else. Yes. So it's not even about that. It's like, I tell clients, don't worry about it whatsoever. It's like, if you don't, Want to continue working with me? You can let your care coordinator know, and they will get you someone else. You don't have to explain anything Mm -hmm. because I want to take the pressure off of them where they can actually have a true connected relationship and therapy with me, not because they feel like, oh, if I leave, she's going to be mad. No, never. It's not personal. Right. You know, it's like my job is to come in and serve and to help build you up. It's Mm -hmm. like, and if I'm not or my direction is not getting you there, you have every right. Mm-hmm. To choose someone else who is going to get you there, and sense. I totally support that.
0: Yeah, that that's that's extremely important. You have to know uh, when to exit. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a book. There was a book I read. It was called uh, I can't remember it. Was, but the the goal the 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 premise of the book was understanding when to let go of things. And it was called like the something of exits. I can't remember the thing, but. The goal is to make sure you know when it's time to leave whatever the situation or an individual is so that it's healthy for both parties, mm-hmm. but especially for yourself. And that's, that's the, a lot of times people stick around. It's like being loyal to a fault, as they say, mm-hmm. like you're mm-hmm. around something and you're not getting anything out of it, but you're just being loyal just because you're a loyal person. Mm-hmm. To me, that's not a, a healthy thing at all. It's, it, if you're stagnant in any situation that you're in, it may be time to move forward.
1: Absolutely. You know what I'm
0: saying? Like, so I agree 100 percent with that, and I think that's a a extremely a, a, a gift that you give your client, your potential, your clients that you have, and those who have went on because it it means a lot to them to know that they're not quote unquote stuck in the situation. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? And that's not your goal. Your goal is not to have anybody stuck. Your goal is to help, like you said. Mm-hmm. In closing, what would you like to leave? for somebody out there that's watching this or that's in the audience today, when it comes to mental health, what would you like to leave for them out there? Like what what would you say to them that will either encourage them or, or get them to think about taking more care of their mental wellness?
1: Well, I guess what I would like to say is that You have to make sure that you're well if you're going to take care of someone else. It's like the way I like to think of it is when I ask clients, is your glass half full or half empty? I want you to say neither. Because in order to truly help someone, your glass needs to be abundantly flowing. I mean like splashing all over the place. Because when it's full to that capacity, you're not hurting for anything and what you give out. It doesn't even matter, you don't even see it gone because you have so much. It's like, and I think that we get so used to sourcing from a half full cup that we just, we don't even see when we're depleted. And so we have to take care of ourselves in order to give that love and that capacity and that compassion to someone else. So you have to start with you.
0: I want to thank everybody for being in the building. I want to thank all those hundreds of people that's online watching us. We appreciate y'all. And then one thing I have to always leave with you every single time I end, one thing about a dream, it never expires. Thank y'all. God bless. This is your boy, Chaz C. No Walker, the creator and host amplifier community connection amplifier is a free artist development program powered by radio milwaukee each episode is filmed and recorded in front of a live studio audience at radio milwaukee studios in milwaukee wisconsin stay connected with amplifier by registering for our free events or watch us live on facebook at mke you can also follow us on instagram at mke as well thank you for listening and remember dreams never expire